Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Chris Myers is very, very clever. He's, very, yeah, very yeah, clever. yes. But, uh, oh my God, thank you so much for coming in. Thank um, you for having me. Uh, yeah, no, we're, uh, we're very, very excited. Um, are we... Uh, <clears throat> And I said, it's just kind of, you know, we're, it's, it's a conversation. Um, and I hope, I hope, I, I don't even, I've got a little introduction to you. We're going to talk about your work and I'm sure you are sick to death of this, but my God, my, my brief tenure at film school um, uh, back in the day was my friends and I every weekend um, diving into either new German cinema. Ah, yes. Or, and often, and, and then Repo Man again. <laughs> and the joy when we all realized that, I mean, pretty quickly, the great connection through Robbie Mueller, that, that you were all tapped into some sort of, you know, whatever was happening in the world that you were there. Uh, that, that movie is, I'm sure, for everybody you meet. Um, well, it was a big, a new, but the New German Cinema was a big deal too, wasn't it? Because like the 70s and early 80s, mm-hmm. it was like Fassbinder and Vendors yeah. and, and, and yeah, Volker Schlerndorf and yeah. a lot of yeah. really... Well, that, I had signed up for a, a new wave German cinema class because I, mean, I was a huge film nerd. Um, I didn't know that much about German cinema, and I had just seen Tin Drum, and I had no idea what the hell it was about. And all it said in the syllabus was, movies like Tin Drum will be broken down. I thought, okay, great. And and we never did Tin Drum. Uh. <laughs> but we did everything else, and it was uh, absolutely amazing. But um, but no, thank you, and I'm, I'm I'll try not to nerd out for the rest of. It's <laughs> all right. But uh, are we? Are we? Uh, oh, we are. Okay. Hi, I'm Josh Olson, and you're listening to the movies that made me, the official podcast of Trailers from Hell. Our guest, I don't even know where to begin. Um, I'm director of Sid and Nancy. My God, uh, Straight to Hell. Um, I want to ask you. There's a Straight to Hell Returns. I have heard. Is that a? Has that come out? Oh yes. Okay, I'm not. I'm oh not yeah. Terribly... Straight to Hell Returns is the long version of Fantastic. Um, originally, it was a somewhat longer film, and yeah. the producer kind of lost his faith in it because he didn't think it was as funny as. As I thought it was, and so <laughs> persuaded me to cut some stuff out. Which then, when we were reconstructing the film, we found the original interpositive, mm-hmm. which had all the missing scenes, so I could put them all back in again, for better or for worse. Fantastic! Well, I, I can't wait to see it. I apologize. For it's having, really um, worth it. I mean, you you have to find a kind of a, a DVD on on the internet, probably, or at mm-hmm. the, or or if there's a DVD rental place still in existence, you might have to I'll, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. Very few. Yeah. Um, but um, I mean, it's, it's a wonderful. You know, Searchers 2.0, uh, Highway Patrolman, because um, it was such an unusual. Again, it's not as though your career has followed a particular path, but Highway Patrolman was just such an unusual next film for you. I remember being uh, knocked out by that. Um, so many others. Uh, author of a wonderful book on on spaghetti films, spaghetti westerns, uh, called as, as opposed to spaghetti films. Which as opposed to spaghetti films, cooking. Those are boring. Um, but anyway, ten thousand ways. To, <laughs> about some good spaghetti. It might be uh, ten thousand ways to die. Um, uh, and and of course, saving the best for last. Although I was gushing at the beginning, uh, the one and only Repo Man. Uh, our guest is uh, the the great, the legendary, uh, the wonderful Alex Cox. That's very nice of you to say uh, all those nice things. I, they're all true. Thank you so much for coming in. It's a thrill. Um, uh, and and you guys, wait, sorry, you're saying you have met? Joe yes, or, we met. Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, so this is well. We it's a first from exotic foreign place, didn't we? We did. It was a festival. It was. Of it some was sort. It the Mar del Plata. Yes, that's it. It was Mar del Plata. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Fantastic. What were you there with? Uh, I can't remember. The movie Orgy, I believe it. Or oh, not. wow. Orgy, okay. I think it was. And uh, I, Willem Dafoe was there. And we all took a picture uh, to protest. Was it the Iranian uh, director who was in prison? 
might have been. God, it was. I, I can't remember. Yeah, it was put under house arrest. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh right. Anyway, yeah. it was, it's uh, Mardi Gras is a lovely festival. Yeah. It's very far away. <laughs> you, you you have to go down this road, which is <laughs> one road, and it goes straight through the flatlands and the pampas, and everything looks the same. I mean, it, it's your sense of time vanishes because mm. you, and and at the time there was a an election and there was somebody running for mayor and every 25 feet there would be a sign with this guy's name on it. <laughs> and it was yeah. so disorienting yeah. because you couldn't tell have you already been here before or is that the old sign or is that the old sign it took really a long it must be hours and hours and hours to get there but then once you get there it's nice but then of course you've got to go back <laughs> we also have a friend in common john davison oh of course of course, oh, of course. <laughs> We were just talking about him. Well, he produced uh, Searchers. He produced Searchers oh, 2.0. Right, yeah. okay. And Joe and John have like a legendary 16 millimeter collection. We do. Yes. We do. Yes. Now, that, now that they stopped making the projectors. <laughs> but didn't you buy a bunch of military spec projectors? Uh, we did. Basement? We bought a bunch of projectors, a bunch of bulbs, a bunch of exciter lamps. Yeah. Um, and they, but they don't even make the prints anymore. No. <laughs> so no. it's, we, we, we just sort of thought, boy, this is going to put our kids through school. You know, have this collection <laughs> be worth so much money. And then who knew? You know, it was all of a sudden, it wasn't going to be worth a lot of money. It was like everything is miniaturized now. Everything is uh, undigital. Wow. Well, so we've, still, I got the, we've got, still got the films. I've got two brand new laser disc players still in the boxes oh, in my yeah. garage. That's a, that, I, don't th I don't think that's coming back. <laughs> that's not coming back. <laughs> but the idea was we would play all my laser discs and I wasn't going to get rid of which are now with the exception of, I have a, I have a autograph reservoir dogs. That's the only one I've kept. Oh, the oh and Breaker Morant. Well, the autographs are good, but they get yeah, laser, kept the autographs. They get laser laser rod, you know, they're so. not going to, they're not going to play forever. I have a, a, a laser disc of Harry Patrolman. I could send you. I don't have a laser disc player, so I can, if you want it, I'm, I'm pretty, I've, I've got the, uh, I've at least got the DVD. So I, I don't even fun. know where you would go to get a laser disc turned into a DVD. Well, I just don't know who's got the equipment anymore. It's really easy. You can do it on your computer. A laser disc? How do you yeah. play a laser disc on your computer? You just plug it into your computer. Yeah. And then you record it. And you pop, you create a quick you time file. A, and make then a Malva file. And then you, yeah. Huh. And then you burn yeah, but it you have to have a player to play it on. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. But a lot I mean, of people plug, don't have players. Oh yeah, well yes, you have. Well, I've got two. If anybody, oh, if anybody wants to buy, well, uh, you should definitely say <laughs> it's the old get it back one. Back out in the world. It's is it SLV or is, it's the one that doesn't do freeze frames and you have to flip. But you know. Oh, but ah, you? but wait, my mine is a Japanese. Ah, uh, uh, multi-region. Well, no, it's not the player. It's the disc. Is is Japanese disc? Ah, so uh, I wonder, are the players multi-region or are they just? No, they were they were not multi-region. I'd oh, be screwed. Yeah. yeah. Plus, it would be in Japanese. So. Wow. Well, I'm sorry you came all this way just <laughs> oh, for that. Oh, That's, nice. uh, thanks. <laughs> See you um, later. <laughs> That's what they're running tomorrow night at the Cinematheque. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but hey, watch watch this. Watch this. So it's kind of oh, this is terrible. Um, but all all of these technologies. Oh, it's falling apart. I had it. All of these technologies have met their own apocalypse. Huh? Huh? And Alex is here to talk about <laughs> the apocalypse. Why we don't need to worry about global warming. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, no, we had a little. We had a little exchange back and forth via email, and he, he suggested finally doing um, um, sort of uh, portrayals of nuclear war and apocalypse in film and TV. And um, uh, I it's won't a, give it away at one point. It's a but radioactive. He, and he sent me an email and said, "Make sure you watch X." And I was so happy because it was literally sitting next to my. Yeah. Uh, next to me on my desk. So I just held up the Blu-ray and sent a picture back going, I got it. But um, um, yeah, it was an interesting topic. Uh, it's, it's, very, it's, very pertinent topic. It's very timely, isn't it? Yeah, unfortunately. I feel like it always is, really. It's uh, It always has been, yeah. but never quite. Yeah, never quite feels, to this degree. Yeah, but yeah. every now and then you hear these stories about how five years ago something happened. Well, yes, and, all, we almost and almost always in those stories you think that at least at the top of the heap there were some intelligent people who did something about it. Yeah. Or, or somewhere in the heap, because in, 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 right. in 1983 when the Abel Archer incident happened, which very nearly started the nuclear war. Yeah, war yeah, that's the nice yeah. Russia. The, it was all about one guy. Yeah, it was yeah. one guy who didn't think it was real. Yeah. And so he didn't pass the message on to his superiors in Russia. He just kind of kept mum. And sure enough, it was only an exercise. And, and, and then all these other stories about how like flights of geese and stuff set yeah. off the alarms. Yeah. And, and so we've been, we've been very lucky for the last... Well, we've, we've been incredibly lucky. But, uh, it, but as I said, we, there, were, there were people in charge that you thought were at least competent. 
And now we're in a, a situation where most of the people in charge around the world, it looks like, are completely incompetent. A lot more. It fe feels like a lot more incompetence yeah. in high places. And it's spreading. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, not to, <clears throat> I mean, each, uh, it, it has always felt to me, and people are so surprised that we are where we are, but every, every Republican president in my life has been geometrically worse than the one that came before. So the possible exception of the first Bush, who was terrible but not significantly worse, he sort of and then, and then we isn't got that true of every Democratic president that's come um, along? As yeah, well? that's actually probably yeah, yeah. I guess, but they're different. Sure, sure. Um, well, I mean, mm. I'm speaking as a limey, but I always had a lot of respect for LBJ. Yeah, with with, with the exception of the Vietnam War. I mean, I thought that LBJ was a yep. pretty good domestic president. Well, I think he would have been a great president if he had been for the war. But I, but I think there's not a there's not a. I mean. Oh my God, this will be fun. We talk for two hours of the, you know, compare and contrast Clinton and Obama. And, <laughs> but I'm talking, you know, the difference from, from Ronald Reagan to George W. Bush is staggering. I mean, Reagan was as awful as he was, was, you know, at least able to maintain a, an illusion of not falling apart in front of you. And then W couldn't even form a sentence. So no, but remember, and now but, here but, we are. But 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 W but H W ran the show. For, oh yeah, for sure. For yeah. Eight yeah. Years yeah. Before yeah. becoming president. Yes. So he was a twelve yeah. year. He was a three term president. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That is that is true. Uh, so that is true. so and by the way, yeah. And here we are talking with with. Um, uh, and, well, I just, and I, I have no right to say any of this stuff. I'm not an American. No, no, you're an amazing right to, you, to you've also made, stuff, You've but. also made one of the great movies, uh, at least tangentially touching on Iran-Contra, um, uh, which I also, by the way, I, I mentioned this, I, you know, my second job in Hollywood, I worked for a couple of weeks in the Los Angeles office, uh, production office of Walker. Did you have lots of fun? Uh, no, it was, it was really boring. No. Really, you were having fun down there. There were, mm. you know, like the Contras were stealing your yeah. film equipment and things like that. And yeah, all the equipment got hijacked on the way down there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I remember, you know, when I, when I met Ed Harris on History of Violence, I, I came up to him and, and well, we've worked with him. He's very, He's not like so in character you have to refer to him by name, but he's in a very intense place when he's working, especially he's playing this mean bastard. And I came up and I said, ah, nice to, nice to meet you. He's like, uh, I said, you know, I, we've met before a thousand years ago. I drove him to your house with scripts. I worked on Walker. And he goes, uh. <laughs> and then the day he rapped, which was the day he's killed in the, in the film, it was like it's a rap on an air. It was like the sun came out. He hugged everyone. <laughs> and he's like, and he comes up to me. And this is a week and a half later. He goes, looking forward to our third one and walks away. <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay, there you go. But uh, he's very concentrated. I mean, yeah. he's really concentrated. Yeah. I mean, he, when he was acting, it was he he really didn't want to have a whole bunch of lollygaggers standing yeah. behind the camera looking yeah. at him yeah. because there was one extra that was cross-eyed, and there was another extra. Oh, you know, that's a they would always end up behind the camera staring at Ed while he was doing his speeches <laughs> and stuff. So he was he laid down the law about not being, not, you know, about having his space. Yeah. And he's yeah. right. Of course he is. He's completely right. But um, yeah, so do you want to talk about uh, so the, nuclear, are we, nuclear are holocaust? We, are or? we dating these nuclear holocausts from uh, probably World War uh, World War Two? Well, do you want to start with the one you... Uh, you well, I, I guess pre preceding that, I mean, the one I think is the greatest one um, was, was made, I think, in 65 or 66. But there are films that deal with nuclear issues before that, aren't there? Uh, I mean, mm -hmm. there's... there's all the monster movies where radiation has right. caused giant They're bugs oh, sure, yeah. to appear in the in the Mojave Desert, and there's on the beach, which I've never seen. Have you seen it? Yes. How is it? Uh, it's it's okay. It's a little turgid, but um, it, it's you have to try to when you look at a movie like that, you have to try to look at it through the eyes of the people who saw it when it was new. Yeah. Because what it's speaking, what it's saying, you know, it's achingly sincere. Yeah. Well, it's, it's uh, Stanley Kramer. Yeah, yeah it's, well, all uh, his movies are aching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think Kramer gets a raw deal, but uh, but uh, it's 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 not. I don't think his best movie. Um, it's it just takes a long time, and, and the book, frankly, is rather long. Too. Didn't he direct it to my 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 world? Yes, that's not aching. That's not. <laughs> that's just the, the, the bromide on that was that this shows how a man, well, what a man who doesn't understand drama will do when he gets comedy. Uh, and, but that's but I have I have people who friends of mine who think it is the Mad Mad World is the greatest movie ever made. I yeah, it's uh, so, I admire that. I admire that belief. Uh, <laughs> I admire the movie, but I admire it because I love the cast. Yeah, yeah, yes. you know, I mean, you never have wonderful. a cast like that again no, because of with yeah. all of those associations and all those 
you know, different places that they came from and had gotten to uh, that, that, that kind of show business world is just not there anymore. Yeah. So that's, it's kind of a, a, a wonderful relic. Yeah, but as as far as uh, uh, nuclear movies go, um, you know, the was, on the beach was fifty nine. The and then what's the? But, um, but there were there were movies before that. What's what's the? Oh my god, the the thing, the thing, and the thing. Um, uh, it's a, it's a white guy, a white woman, and a black well, the world guy. of the flesh and the devil. The world of the yeah. flesh and the devil. How is yes. that? Because I haven't seen that one either. How's that? <laughs> Actually, that's it's pretty not, good. That's not bad. Yeah. It's pretty it's good. Not bad. It's pretty. It's good. it's a it's a it's a it's a race movie. It has to be because one of the guys is black. But, you know, as early as uh, 1950, uh, Arch Obler, who was a radio pioneer, made a picture called Five, which oh. is about the last five people in Los Angeles. That's right. Uh, after, that's uh, after an atomic war. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it was shot in a house that Frank Lloyd Wright built, actually. And, and um, it's an interesting movie. And it's available now. It used to be very hard to see. Yeah, there's a... Um, five, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, it's worth a look. Yeah. Um, but as you say, the, the nuclear metaphor in the early 50s movies was all about the bomb. And if it wasn't really about the bomb, it was about what the bomb did. And it created these mutations. And it was all... And the Kiss Me, kiss me Deadly with the stolen And Kiss Me right. Deadly, which is the, you know, the, 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 the what's it in the box, yeah. which Tarantino loves to steal from. Uh, uh, um, uh, um, um. Repo Man steals from it, too. <laughs> I, I, know, know, I, know, I wasn't going to say that. You only did it once. Yeah. Yes. But, and that's why the end titles right, roll backwards. Gonna, because you, the, the end yes. titles go backwards. Because the, and you know, it's funny. Yeah. When, when, uh, when Kiss Me Deadly came out, it wasn't a particularly popular movie. No, people didn't. Uh, By the way, I would, didn't, I would, I would get it. wager it's, it's 50 50. I mean, I'm sure Quentin says now, but I, I bet he stole it from Repo Man. Maybe both. I mean, we all still both. You of still course, no, no, we all, yes, no, absolutely, absolutely. We were, yeah. uh, uh, what were we calling it earlier? Paying forward or something? Yeah, Is paying that, it forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but other but other the, industries call it theft. We but call the real it, uh, the real A bomb movies, <laughs> uh, the serious ones, didn't yeah. didn't really uh, kick in until. Um, Peter Watkins. Yes, and no. that's the one. That that's I think the one. The yes, and then Alex, if you need email, you better you better see uh, the War Game, and I well, love my Blu-ray of Kaladin. The War Game. Uh, uh, now is also great. I have yes. it, it makes a great double bill with Bonnie Prince Charlie, which is the the Hollywood oh, version with with, uh, with David Niven. If you put those two pictures together, that's like they're made on different planets. Oh, God. The, what, the, Bonnie Prince Kaladin Charlie. It's, it's, Prince it's a different. Oh, the Kaladin. A battle. different take on the Kaladin. Yeah. I see. Okay, sorry, uh, but the but. The the war games, which was not allowed to be shown uh, on BBC, yeah. uh, and went, went theatrically. I think. Yes, it, 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 they they kind of busted around like church halls. It didn't it didn't get a proper theatrical, but it got a kind of a samizat. And it's 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 a very um, believable, yeah. semi-documentary, depressing uh, well, picture of what what it would be like in the aftermath. Did you did you bomb. see it as a as a I mean you grew up in, not allowed to see it because oh, really? it was banned you know it was the BBC had commissioned it and then banned it on the on the instructions of the government right and so it got a sort of samizdat existence being passed around from hand to hand on sixteen millimeter and shown mm. by CND and and Christian groups um, Christian groups yeah well Aren't I mean the Christian CND you know I mean a lot not all Christians want to die in apocalypse yeah know? yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Some do, but not all. Um, and there was a book, a paperback book that came out based on, which Watkins also put together. Did you that's that's right. He it? wrote a, yeah. Yeah. A little book, which is based on this, based on the, you know, this frame, this frames from the film and, and the, the, the complete text. And so, and it's absolutely terrifying. And so I got that book. Since I wasn't able to see the film, I bought the paperback. How old were you? 12. So, okay, yes. This <laughs> and I was just like scared, uh, you know, expletive de deleted less. You know, I was totally, totally scared that I was going to die in a nuclear war. I still am. You know? <laughs> um, but Watkins' film really is extraordinary because it's uh, not only is it, as you say, it's a quasi-documentary. Didn't it get an Academy Award for best documentary? It might have. And it's not a documentary. It's a drama. Everything, it's, it's all amateur actors. They're amateur actors, mm -hmm. aren't they? Because he didn't work with professionals. And uh, it's, oh, it's grim and, and, and but it's deeply de it's, disturbing. But it's, it's very devastating to watch. Yeah, it's yeah. devastating. It's, it's gripping. And uh, in a way that a, a, a more of a dramatic kind of a movie with real actors would, wouldn't be. Yeah. As, for instance, if you compare it to The Day After. Exactly. 
Yeah. You know, which yeah. was a, a, a made it quite an impact. You know, on yeah. people, a lot of people who didn't even think about that subject saw that movie, and supposedly Reagan uh, was very impressed with it, and yeah. it changed his whole view about negotiating uh, about uh, you know weapons. Um, but it, but that, but that's a, a movie with actors, and you know, it it, yeah. it works as a movie. But this is like a slice of life. Yes. Well, it's, I was just saying, it's uh, yeah, uh, Academy Award '67 for best documentary feature. It's weird because it's not a documentary. And it's not a documentary. And it's, it's not a feature. It's not a feature. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's not a feature. 47 minutes longer. Yeah, well, 47. <laughs> yeah. Minutes, yeah. To but fit a television hour slot. Yeah. But it's so, it's just every, st- yeah, it, it's laid out for folks who haven't seen it. it. It starts out as a kind of very matter of fact, almost like a BBC documentary of here. We're going to talk about the preparations that, that we have made or the government has made in case of a nuclear attack. And then slowly as they talk about it, these things actually start to happen in front of you. Yeah. And um, there's some it's, kind it's of a fight. Kind of, it's a little war of the worldsy Germany. in a way. A little war of the worldsy, but it's also at the same time they keep they keep telling you this isn't happening. This is what would happen, and then you see this these these horrible devastation, and then the aftermath, and it just feels like every time you get to the end of a sequence, you're like, my reaction. I remember, I remember the first time I saw it, and then watching it again last night, it's just you sort of go. Uh, and of course, I know we know so much more now, and it's even worse than we thought then. But I get to the end of a sequence, and you go, "Okay, okay, so you could you could get through that." And then they go, and then after this, here's what's going to happen, and you go, "Oh, Jesus!" Yeah. And you yeah. know, our, uh, my generation was brought up on uh, those um, uh, films, the uh, informational films that were shown in school, like Survival Under Atomic Attack, oh, which would which would have a narrator, and he would say that make sure that you when the bomb drops, make sure you're not by the window. Uh, and uh, the, there'll be a there'll be a flash, and you can if you roll up if you roll up and cu- put your coat over your head on the way to school, you'll be okay. And there's these reenactments, you know, of of stuff that even even as a child we knew was bullshit. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> when they did the drills, which are in matinee, uh, yeah, the movie yeah. I did, the, 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 yeah. the, the, when they go out into the hallway and they have to like duck their heads, and somehow that's going to save them yes. when the, when the walls collapse. Yeah, uh, we all knew it was crap. But we had to do it because that yeah. was the, that was that was the way that they did it. But but that generation, my generation, grew up afraid of airplanes because whenever you'd hear an airplane go over, you'd think right. there's a bomb. <gasps> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you'd, you'd listen for the airplane, and then you'd wait for the whistle because you think then the bomb would come. And I guess I'm sure right after World War II, people were the same way in in Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that never goes away. You know, it wasn't just that we were going to the movies and watching John Hanson. Well, a little, little traumatizing, sure. And I thinking mean, about, you know, that these were metaphors for our upcoming death. Um, but it was, a, it was a paranoid age, and we were taught to be paranoid. We were well, taught to be well, afraid well, of the Russians. Now, I mean, I'm, I'm so fortunate. I grew up, I, I missed that by several years, and then uh, I'm thankfully no longer in grade school. But, you know, now they're doing shooter drills. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I got friends who have kids who are nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and they they all know this drill, and it's uh, yeah. well, there's a wonderful. Have you seen Eighth Grade? It's a wonderful. Uh, it's a, it's, oh, it's no. an absolutely wonderful film about an eighth grade girl that is just I can't even begin to describe how you know what do I know about being an eighth grade girl yeah. seems to capture a reality, <laughs> but there's a really, really, really funny scene during a a, a shooter drill that they're doing with these kids and she um <laughs> she goes up to the boy she likes and tells him how good she is at blowjobs because she's trying to attract him <laughs> but uh but during the shooter drill during the shooter drill yeah uh because they don't take it that seriously but but imagine with that yeah and i i every time i hear them talk about that i think what what happened to the you know your generation how did that fuck everybody up and then what's happening to these kids now who have to think about i guess history repeats itself yeah um, but and there's money to be made, isn't there? There's always somebody's making money in the end because there's somebody making money from selling the small arms, and there's somebody making money over at Raytheon making the big ones. Money and yeah. religion, two oh, causes, and look, the two the, causes of all the world's problems. And, and the people designing <laughs> yeah. these yeah. drills are not yeah. doing it out of the largesse of their heart. They're no. companies that come to your school and they do a prepper. It's it's yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the war. I, I had forgotten the war game. I had I. I not. It's not. It doesn't roll trippingly off the tongue because most people don't really know about this movie. It was. It, it wasn't released very widely at all anywhere yeah. because of the, the band didn't help. Uh, and, and then it's there's just a Matthew Broderick film called War Games, War Games right, right, which is a different war. take on. But Alex, after you, so you'd read the book first, you'd yeah. heard about it. Did when? Do you remember where the first time you saw the film? Like where? I guess I must have seen a sixteen millimeter projection of it sometime, but because I was, I kind of almost memorized the book by right. that point, so it. 
didn't quite have the same devastating impact as reading the book did. But but in both Culloden and the war game, he uses the same technique. It's what he'll do in in Culloden, Watkins, the director. He'll describe, he'll say, the, the, the British are firing all kinds of like artillery at the, at the Scots and how the English are firing all these weapons at the Scots. And he'll say, this is whatever the name of the, the weapon is. This is what it does. And then you see the devastation among the ranks of the static Scots and the, on the battlefield. And and he does the same thing in in the war game. He says, you know, this is a firestorm. This is what it does. And you yeah. see the first responders and the ambulance guys just choking to death on the, on the, on the gas. Oh, yeah, the one scene is like, and all of these men are dying, he yeah. says at one point. So, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and so this is so funny because, I mean, and, and <laughs> honestly, that people focus on global warming. Yeah, with this danger looming us in the in the face, the danger of a nuclear winter. Well, I guess that's sort of a, when you think about it that way. They must be sort of hopeful for their future in a way because they think that there's going to be one. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> but I just think it's forgetfulness. I think that the the nuclear issue has just left the agenda. It was big in the eighties, big in the eighties, yeah. nuclear war, and now it's just been ignored. And the whole new generation of of military and politicians and scientists have come along who've who are just winging it, you know? But I feel like... And spending $1.7 trillion to upgrade the whole thing. But one of the things that, um, uh, you know, we sort of learned through all of that, um, uh, you know, is that realization. I mean, there have been moments where we have felt safe from nuclear attack in the last... 20 or 30 years, or at least where he felt like we were Not safer than, than we had been. Oh, okay, <laughs> well, but there, but there was that sense of this is at least, this is at least man-made and you can, there is a hope of negotiation. Somehow, if I can look you in the eye, there's a slight chance I can talk you out of killing me. And, and of course, the problem with climate change is there's nobody to negotiate with it. My, my concern is that people have come to a way of adapting themselves to the fear of nuclear annihilation by recognizing that, and they apply the same attitude to climate change, so they don't take that as seriously as they should, I would argue, because they think somehow we can negotiate our way out of this. It's like you you can't negotiate with nature. You have to... Well, also, climate be, change isn't immediate. I mean, it's, it's gradual, and that's one of the... It's the boiling frog syndrome. I mean, it's... Uh, yeah. Did you see the point, butterflies this week? Yeah, there are. There's a lot of butterflies it's beautiful, in, in but, you know, California. <laughs> that's a harbinger um, of doom. <laughs> is it really? Why are the butterflies a harbinger of doom? Um, oh, just because of the the uh, bizarre rains we've had yes. for the last couple of months. I mean, which were lovely. The, the unseasonable needed, rains. These are the unseasonable the rains led to the... Um, which will lead to more fires later, but it all burns down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are lovely moments, but look, we get the most amazing sunsets when the city's on fire. Um, oh, yes, <laughs> you know, there's yes, there's always an upside to the glories of Los Angeles. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but um, no, that's that's an that's an amazing film, and there is there is a nice um, is it BFI I think uh, uh, the BFI British it, yes. Blu-ray of yeah. of that in Culloden, but. Uh, yeah, but did you have other uh, apocalyptic nuclear war That's the one. I oh. mean, there's. I, I thought the day after was kind of pretty light, L-I-T-E, in terms of the of, of the the actual result of a nuclear war. Because, well, it's a network television yeah, movie. And the last it. scene is in a hospital. Yeah. Dude, there aren't going to be any hospitals. That's the thing. There's so many of these, there's, there's hope. Yeah. Yeah, there's hope. The person's in her bed. I remember the last shot is this woman in her bed. She's lost her hair. She's got cancer and stuff. But but she's in a hospital with doctors and nurses, dude. And I, and, 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 and then, and that falls into the kind of the hopeful approach to nuclear war of, of say, the sum of all fears, mm-hmm. where an atom bomb goes off. And yet, strangely enough, is it Ben Affleck, whoever it is, unaffected, unaffected by the atomic yeah. bomb? Is that, is that, yeah. Does that happen in a Batman movie too? Doesn't he fly, he drops a bomb and then oh, know, yeah. he's fine? Yeah, and then flies I mean, the, the mythology of the bomb has now, you know, since Dr. Strangelove has become... Uh, something that is sort of a movie trope now. Yeah, it's oh, not, strange love we didn't talk about, yeah. did we? That's well, strange love is there. Yes. <laughs> well, there's there's a whole there's strange love during that early '60s period. There's the there's strange love, there's fail safe, yes. and there's panic in the year zero, oh. which is the um, the movie in which uh, the bomb drops, and it's about. The the um, is it Ray Milan? Yeah, Ray he, Milan. he directed it, and and it's about it's about oh. the. Uh, 
breakdown of law and order right. uh, after that, and the fact that, that now this supposedly normal nuclear family now has to right, do, he's driving around with his family, do right? terrible things to yeah. survive because there's all these people who are out to get them. And it, it, of, of, of all the movies that we're talking about, it's actually one of the most accurate in terms of what it would probably be like if it, if everybody wasn't destroyed, yeah, and, but if, yeah, if civilization survivors. just disappeared, yeah, uh, yeah. It, and it would be every man for himself. There was a, what's the TV movie with? Uh, is it Peter Graves? I feel like this there is one. Where, with Peter the, Graves. where have all the people gone? Where have all the people gone? That's which right. was kind of a, a similar to the yeah. to the Raymond. But that's a, but that's always a good movie situation. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but Strangelove saves you know, an extras. But Strangelove, you know, I I saw Doctor Strangelove the day it opened oh. in New York at the Baron Baronet Theater. What did you think? Well, what I was, I was amazed no one laughed. Nobody laughed. Nobody laughed. And because it, you have to remember, it, it, it's a newsreelish looking picture yes. in, in black and white. It, yeah. it looks like it's happening. Yeah. The, 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 the people are very extreme and exaggerated, but yet somehow believable. Believable, totally believable. And, yeah. and at the end of the movie, no movies ended like that. Yeah. Movies, <laughs> the end of the world? movies didn't end like yeah. that, you know? Um, and people were walking out and, and, and when I saw Failsafe, which I think came out the next year cause they had yeah. bought both, the studio had bought both pictures to keep them from interfering with each other. Uh, when I saw Failsafe, people came out and they were, they were like the audience at the end of the bandwagon when the bad, the, 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 the bad play when they just walk out and they're catatonic. I mean, people were again, very shocked because that was another movie that was, wait, there's the, all these movies yeah. are, and then there was the Bedford incident which was made by Kubrick's partner, uh, James Harris, mm. which is a, a, a similar kind of a movie set on a, on a destroyer where uh, Richard Widmark uh, is a very gung-ho right-wing guy and he provokes an attack by a, a, a Russian submarine. And that ends up with the world ending. And so, it, and it was sort of like, well, these, all these world ending movies all came right around the time that was, that, le- that was the, the Kennedy assassination. The Kennedy assassination, the beginning of the war in Vietnam. So yeah. it was like the end of the yeah. 50s yeah. and the beginning of the 60s. Because yeah. um, they had to change a line in, in Dr. Strange. That's they? right. Uh. Because Slim Pickens was saying that you could have a great weekend in Dallas with the stuff that yes. they got in their yeah. pack. And it, they had to change it to uh, Vegas. Vegas. Because it was a little bit close yeah. to the real thing. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you saw Strange Love? That must have been on television. It must have been on British television. Yeah, it was the BBC and, you know. And it's, it was interesting is that people who actually know that world, um, I've, I've ha- I had two encounters where people who are part of that world say that's the, exactly the way it is. Uh, one, by reading Daniel Ellsberg's new book, The Doomsday Machine, where he says just everything in Dr. Strangelove is true. It's not oh, a comedy. <laughs> and, and that's what his book's about, is the creation of this kind of mutually assured destruction machine that we, that we live in. Um, and the other thing was that because I'd made Repo Man and Repo Man dealt in part with the neutron bomb, yeah. I got a call out of the blue from a man called Sam Cohen, who was the inventor of the neutron bomb. And I, I met Sam Cohen and went, hung out with him and went and had you know, lunch and martinis with him and... and he was insane, but he said Had the he, same thing. He said, Dr. Strangelove is entirely accurate. You know, I, uh, I, I knew Edward Teller. I knew Oppenheimer. I knew those guys in the Pentagon. And it's exactly like that. So both Ellsberg and Cohen said the same thing. It's, it's, I got, it's had, not had a comedy. He, had he seen Repo Man? Yes, yes. Because there's a line of, I wish I, friends who can do every line of it, but Fox Harris at one point talks about just the incredible immorality of that bomb. You ever hear the neutron bomb? Destroys people, leaves buildings standing, fits in a suitcase. So small, no one knows it's there till blammo. Eyes melt, skin explodes, everybody dead. It's so immoral working on a thing can drive you mad. Yes, and and Sam Sam didn't think it was an immoral bomb. Sam thought it was a constructive bomb because it it killed. Soldiers, as he said, he he would never say killed people. He would say, the, the, my weapon only kills soldiers and leaves the infrastructure, in, infrastructure intact. Mm. You know, I'm thinking, well, you're talking it's about... good s- if you like infrastructure. Yeah, infrastructure. <laughs> Don't civilians live in the infrastructure too? That's so bizarre. But that did, was, you, did you ever... I, I can't imagine what it would be like to be face up. Were you, were you able to confront that a little bit? No, or would it be, I mean, just be- he was in his 80s, <laughs> yeah. you know. Were, I mean, and, and a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God. 
oh my God, that's, yeah. Hey, um, but I'll tell you something that, yeah. I, actually, that I think people, that we forget sometimes is that, isn't it Terminator 2? Yeah. That has a pretty good depiction of a nuclear exchange between Russia and America that's uh, not sentimentalized. Is oh, it? yeah, no, it's ghastly. Yeah. It's, it's uh, that, that destruction of everything while she's in the, uh, um, watching the playground and yeah. gets gets evaporated. And, yeah, no, it's very powerful stuff. That actually was very good, and I was kind of surprising because I... Um, it seems very sincerely meant, you know, and very and and the the director is actually genuinely concerned about this, you know, which is quite rare, you know. I he, yes, I, I can say he he is yes, very very serious about that in yeah. that film. Um, I, and I think you know, to which of us, he's he's very sincere about what he's trying to do and say with his films, whether or not, um, you know, I mean, the Avatar film and the ones that are coming are his sincere attempt to show us another way to save the planet from climate change and. Um, if you can do that with a movie, he's the guy who'll do it. Well, uh, <laughs> well, power to him if you can. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I look. It's there are worse things to do with your time and skill, mm -hmm. I suppose. Um, yeah, but I, I want to, you know, because that was a thing with with day after. I remember as a as a kid seeing that it was a huge event here. Um, uh, it was in two parts. That was, yeah, always, it was two always parts a sign of quality of seriousness. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but that that was a problem, and it seems to be a problem with most of these things. And you know, you just say we don't see an ending like Doctor Strange Love very often, and it's like yeah, because Doctor Strange Love actually tells the truth. And the the problem with something like the day after, for all of its horror, for all of its look at it does it it leaves you going, whew, that was rough, yeah. and and that is in itself a terrible lie that allows you to perpetuate the 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 whole thing. So. There's another yeah. movie that uh, people don't really talk much about called Testament. Oh, uh, right. By Lynn Lipman. Yes. Um, oh, is it and it's, Alexander? Uh, it, it's, uh, no, it's, um, or, uh, Jane and, uh, Jane, Jane Alexander. Jane, isn't that what I said? You said Shana. I said Jane. Oh, cut that part out. I don't out. know who she Cut that part out. <laughs> uh, oh, no, the embarrassing part <laughs> is I believe that, um, Okay, well, go ahead. <laughs> I'm just watching you do your thing. It's so I'm, interesting. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I'm, I'm looking things up. I have a computer here. It yeah. makes me sound smart if I do it quickly. Uh, uh, moving right along. Anyway, yeah. uh, 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 this is uh, this is a, a movie I saw at Telluride and um, Testament. 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 And, and it's about a family whose the father is off on a business trip, and essentially the, there's an atomic war, and the world ends, and. Uh, and it's about how basically everybody is slowly dying from radiation, oh. and, the, and it's it's a family neighborhood kind of a, a movie, um, and it manages to be quite moving, even though it's so goddamn depressing. Yeah. Uh, and of course, it, you know, uh, people did not want to shell out their their yeah. movie going bucks <laughs> to be depressed. Well, here's so it, didn't, one. it didn't really get much. The play. road. Oh, the uh, yeah. Oh, man, that's, because, that's too grim. Uh, that's grim. But, and, if you, and, and, and the film, it's a little ambiguous, but in the book, it's very clearly a in new film. In the book, it's very They didn't do the eating babies thing in the book. No, in the but, the, but he sees the bombs going off and and he starts, turns on all the water in the taps and, and his wife goes, what are you running a bath for at a time like this? And he goes, I'm not running a bath. You know, but that's all in the book, the, 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 the film. But I, I thought the film was quite powerful. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. It, it just seemed a little one note to me. It is. You know. But maybe that's what our existence will be like. Well, it could be, but I'm I'm, I'm, are you in a rush to get there? I'm going after popcorn. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why the um uh, uh well no then well, kind of, then then there's that whole brand now of since you go to the road of, of kind of post nuclear apocalyptic film which always seem no matter how horrific they are to be really optimistic you mean too. the Mad Max like, like the Mad Max yeah, yeah boy and his dog it's it's you know as bad as things are people are still out there they're still oh uh, this is the Harlan Ellison uh, uh, boy and, yeah I'm, exactly I don't think exactly. boy and his dog is very optimistic no, no, no I'm saying the <laughs> 
You're, they're going to movies still, Joe. I mean, there's a seat in yeah, the but they're wearing theater. funny, cl- funny clothes and funny makeup. Yeah, but you know, they're eating popcorn and going to movies, and there's a whole thing under. But I mean, just the fact that there's still a culture afterwards that is in which people are continuing to do things they normally do, maybe not, you know, as easily. I mean, even you know, the, the Fury Road is, I would posit, optimistic in that people are still driving around and having conversations and getting pregnant and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's all the di- things that most make yeah. life worth living. The di- who was the director of Boy and His Dog? Uh, that was L.Q. Jones. Yes, it was. Oh, yes. The yeah. only survivor of the Wild Bunch. That is correct. Oh, and Alfonso Arau is still alive as well. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, I got to do a lovely Q&A with L.Q. a little while ago. How was it? A memorial for Harlan. Um, uh, he's wonderful. He's 92, 93. And, Jonathan um, Kaplan worked with him on uh, White Line Fever, and he said that, uh, and of course he was you know, a big fan. And he said that LQ uh, was the kind of actor who is not very good in wide shots, but great in close ups. <laughs> uh, he was loquacious as hell. And he had, that was it. I forgot we had done two nights. One night, there was a Thursday, they were screening a boy and his dog. And then on Saturday, they did a whole kind of multimedia memorial thing for Harlan. And he couldn't come Thursday. He came Saturday to talk. Obviously, you would have liked to have him for a boy and his dog. And I love this, and I, I hope this comes across well and not in a terrible, shabby way. But when I'm 92 years old, if my excuse for not being able to do something is I have to pick my girlfriend up at the airport, I think that's that'll be okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to say he had to feed his dog. No. <laughs> um, you know, Harley, you know that last line of that film? Doesn't, do you remember make, the, doesn't make Harlan happy. He, he hated that last line. But he loves what the film. I forgot what the last one was. It's it's spoiler. It is a spoiler. Yeah, if you haven't seen Boy's Dog, please do. Just skip ahead two minutes. But it's at the very end, you know. Uh, After they're eating the girlfriend, they've eaten the girlfriend. Yeah. Yes, but you're you're not a hundred percent certain of that. And they're walking away, and the kid's feeling down, and the dog says, "You know, she was uh, what she had, she had a great personality, if not particularly good taste." <laughs> 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 and, uh, yes. You can see why the original author might not have. So, so LQ wrote that line? LQ wrote that line, yeah. <laughs> Harlan, Harlan didn't like it, but he loved the film. And, um, uh, How interesting that that was the film he chose to make, because it was the only film he directed, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. I, no, didn't he direct one? No, he, he and Alvy Moore uh, were partners, and they did right. a, a couple of pictures, but LQ didn't direct any of them. Except oh, okay, that I mean, one. he directed one of them. Yeah, but that was the one. He yeah. was just He yeah. just loved it and was fixated on it. And it yeah. Uh, that's interesting, but, um, yeah, but I want to go. So, so how much, you know, when you're making like repo man or trying to sort of thinking like, you know, is, is nuclear annihilation kind of, is it running through your other films? I have to, like, I'm, uh, cause it that's certainly, be. it's, well, <laughs> it should be, I mean, is that, if it's not, there's something wrong, you know. It should always be the suggestion that it's there. Of, of, uh, yeah. There is, because in Walker, he has this vision of the annihilation of the planet. He sees this huge right. yeah. explosion take place out in the ocean, which nobody sees but him. And, right. and well, the helicopters. And there's, well, that's, that's, that's just helicopters. Yeah. But, there's a, but he sees, but, he witnesses the, 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 the coming apocalypse at one point. Um, yeah, it should always be on there. Like the what the the, the the Taoists say about you're supposed to keep death on the tip of your nose at all times, you know. <laughs> Never forget. Well, there's death and then there's planetary death. Yeah. Sizzling apocalypse. Yeah. Um good lord. I think you ought to lighten up this topic. I, he's I, okay, find find a way to well. We've already done Strangelove. Some funny end of the world movies. Has anybody else? Is Doctor Strangelove the only comedy about nuclear annihilation? Uh, intentionally, perhaps. Yeah, the only intentional comedy. The um, only person who could do that would be Mel Brooks. Yeah. If he, I mean Mel Brooks, I imagine could have made mm-hmm. a, a comedy about nuclear war. Well, you know, we were talking about Chris Morris too. That that I could see that. <clears throat> there's a there's a pretty dark strain there. I think the the, the guy who made Four Lions could could take a whack yes, at making yeah. it. Um, but what about the, the the director of um, uh, Vice? Yeah, oh, Adam McKay make an interesting yeah. film. He's about doing, I believe, he's doing he's doing one on on uh, climate change next. Mm. Um, I assume a comedy. I assume or a sort of mm. you know. Uh, I quite enjoyed Vice though. That was yes. Great fun to watch somebody play with 
play with the nature of the medium and the confines of a, what should have been a dreary biopic. It, it, it was nice, wasn't it? Because it's like, because films are normally pretty square, you know, and to see a film where they end it in the middle and then it carries on. And then there's that scene with yeah. the English waiter where he brings them the, the menu and it's yeah. Guantanamo and yes. extraordinary rendition and... and yeah, I thought well, it, it seemed right, and it was I, I, you know, it's almost it's it's times you know cranked up to eleven, but it's I think what I had hoped for and and wanted out of the Oliver Stone W biopic, which um, I don't know, we don't we don't we try not to bag on movies made in the last twenty years, but my God, <laughs> that that was a sincere letdown. Yeah, I mean, um, there was the thing was that 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 Ch- for all the story of Dick Cheney is a deeply depressing grim story but there was a lot of humor and, yeah. and wit in the film and that yeah. was just great yeah. i think it's essential though but that's yeah. how how few people have taken that lesson of strange love um to to you know it, it does seem to me to be the the sort of i would rather you know here's the thing dr strange was a comedy about nuclear annihilation that ends with the planet being destroyed mm-hmm. in nuclear and then the day after is a very serious somber attempt to approach it and talk about it seriously and it lies to you at the end it's yeah. almost like it's almost like comedy allows you to. Well, talk but the it, truth. In, in order to avoid that ending, which is what it's trying to do, yeah, it can't be. It can't be accurate. It can't be true, right? Because the truth yeah. is yeah. the end of Doctor Strangelove, right? But I'm saying comedy allows you to tell those really horrible. Well, Terry Southern wrote an article about how Doctor Strangelove got made, and he said it was entirely because of Peter Sellers, because Sellers was on the up and up after Lolita, mm-hmm. especially, and. Um, the studio agreed to make any comedy that Kubrick wanted as long as it had Peter Sellers in four roles. Really? And he was supposed to play Slim Pickens' part. Right. But he was, like, really trepidatious about it and felt that he couldn't get the accent right and stuff. Oh. And so on the first day of shooting, they were clambering around on the bombs in the bomb bay and Sellers fell off and broke his ankle. And they had to rearrange the shoot and they had to shoot the strange love stuff first while Sellers was in the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and and Terry Southern speculated it was all an elaborate, horribly masochistic, deliberate thing on the part of Sellers just to get out of playing the fourth part. But And yet it was the participation of Peter Sellers that made that film possible. Mm. You know? mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that. I know he had injured himself. I didn't was, I'll try and find the article and send it to you because it's yeah, very interesting. I, Terry says, oh, he's such a wonderful writer. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, have you read Blue Movie? Uh, yes. I have not. Oh, it's I've good. Read, I've good. read these short stories. I have, but... I have the script. Oh, they made a script? Yeah. I've read the novel. I didn't, I didn't I know have the script. script who was, who was going to do it? Was it a... I, I don't remember. You, maybe you were going to do it. No, 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 no. Or I feel like this is where I would you be. could intersect. This is one where... Uh, <laughs> I think by the time, the story that I heard was that by the time uh, it was, they could, the script was written, it seemed like it wasn't far out enough. Really? Uh, even though it's it's uh, about blue movies. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll look around for it. It's an, It's interesting. But, uh, but I think also it's one of those projects like Childhood's End where the little pieces of it have been cribbed over the years mm-hmm. for other projects. Yeah. So that when you put it all together, it's sort of like, well, this is kind of like other pictures, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, Alex, just as long as, I mean, I feel like, do we have any more? I feel like we're... we're any more apocalyptic, any more apocalyptic end of that the world. <laughs> Not that many, given how serious a thing it is, no. Yeah. Well, I think uh, given how depressing it is, that's why there aren't so many, and many more of them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, and of course, as you say, matinee comes close to it. I mean, well, uh, but there there are movies about the uh, uh, there was, uh, about about the situation that people found themselves in, right. yeah. uh, worrying about the fact that the world is going to. I think yeah. Joseph Losey's The Damned is also a right. uh, atomic parable because it's about you know the, the creating these children who will be able to live in a post radioactive oh, world. Oh yes, right. that's right. Um, yeah. And so, the, I mean, and it's, and, and it hovers, the, the, the specter of atomic annihilation hovers over a whole bunch of pictures from the mid to early 60s, you know, and if, and if, and if it is an atomic destruction, it's plague, it's like the Satan bug, you know, there's, there's, there's always something to annihilate the human race. And, and more often than not, it's the bomb, but many other times it's some other terrible thing that, because we, we do live in 
Fear, which is a Kurosawa movie. I live in fear. I live in yeah. fear. And that's a Kurosawa movie about a man who lives in fear of nuclear right. war. Right. Yeah, that's right. And we do. And that's us. We do live in that. But I think that we, that's why we have. Um, or, or denial. You know, I've watched that film twice, I Live in Fear, and it never sticks in my head. I keep, because Mifune plays the, mm -hmm. the man who lives in fear, and it's such a great setup, but I've watched it twice, and it just. No, Ikiru is a better picture. with me. Ikiru is, yeah. Oh, well, Ikiru is one of the best films yeah. ever. Um, <laughs> uh, God, yeah, well, yeah, there was a grim topic, too. Um, <laughs> we're, we're normally much lighter. And that's a film about a guy with cancer. Yeah. But that's a, that's a wonderful film. Great film. Maybe Isn't next it? time we should have to talk movies about people who are dying of cancer. Yeah, movies that'll be yes. Dying yes. Cancer. Next time you're in town, Alex. <laughs> I'm looking forward to talk about <laughs> that. Is a whole genre of terminal people dealing. Oh, with. Term, terminal illness. I mean, <clears throat> dark. Uh, you know, uh, it was a Betty Davis movie, Dark Victory. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's always it, 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 there's, there's uh, let's face it. There's two things in life. There's life and there's death. And there's death. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> you know, yeah. Everything else is in between. Well, then there's, then there's, and here I'm gonna, I'm just gonna find. Yeah. This is yeah. just a way to circle back and, and compliment Alex for for something. But, oh yeah, um, do go on. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> no, I'm not. I, I gotta say, there is a genre of film that that this sort of tangentially ties into your terminal stuff that I can't bear. I cannot bear addiction movies. And there are I mean movies where people speak clearly. <laughs> I'm working on it, Joseph. Movie. I'm working on it. Um, no addiction, you know. People just movies about people dealing with drugs or alcohol. You don't like uh, the Lost Weekend? I don't. Oh. I don't. I'll tell you. The, I'll tell and you. You're a writer. writer, and you're a writer. Shame on you. I know. Have you? Have you? Do you remember what's the Bugs Bunny one uh, where he's going to the Oscars and? He goes to the bar, and it's it's from like that year, I guess. And he and and, and a cartoon Ray Milan comes up to the bar, and he's carrying his typewriter, and he drops the typewriter in front of the bartender, and the bartender pours him a drink, and then gives him three little typewriters and change. <laughs> <laughs> that I love. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the three I absolutely love because they find ways around it are Barfly, um, uh, Train Spotting, and and Sid and Nancy. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's a problem with those movies, though, because both Sid and Nancy and um, Trainspotting tend to glorify the disgusting behavior of their protagonists, you know. So I, I really... Because hmm. I, I don't... Uh, I, I see that, um, but I, I, I don't walk out of those movies going, that would be fun. I just feel like they are films about something else that use the addiction as a way into sort of aspects of the character and... Days of Wine and Roses does that, but it's it's very. I'm just, watching, I'm just watching drunks yell at each other for <laughs> it. It uh, yeah, I I don't know why they just seem and and God knows Sid and Nancy is hopeless. I mean, you get to the end of it, and it, but you know where it's going too. Um, uh, but um, I thought uh, Drugstore Cowboy was pretty good. That that still there's something about that that has I don't know what it is it's it's maybe I'm I'm not I I, I don't know you're just not sympathetic to people with these kind of problems no I'm very sympathetic I've I've known people it's just I just don't enjoy watching it for the most part it just seems hopeless you're just want it's like watching a toilet flush slowly um, <laughs> so you don't like Fassbinder's film Fox and his friends I I Fassbinder is not my German guy I've I've tried I did although I I, I saw uh, Berlin Alexander Plotz in a theater over two days. Um, uh, but, but he's, um, I, I go more for it's Herzog. A slow and, bender to him. Herzog and Fenders yeah. are, are No, my, you are should my give Fassbinder more of a chance. You should see Fox and his friends and you should see Fear Eats the Soul. I have seen, yeah. By the way, I will also say, I haven't, I haven't seen a Fassbinder film since I was about 22 as well. So there may be. And, uh, who, and who knows? I have hopefully how much like that person you are now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but really, so you, you think you think Sid and Nancy glorifies the? Yeah, I, yeah, mean, I think I, uh, it's it's inevitable. Your opinion think, on that carries a lot of weight. Yeah, so. no, I think it's in the nature of drama that if you show if you dramatize something, yeah. you tend to give it some kind of glory and larger dimension, which is why anti-war films are so rare. We've talked about that a lot yeah. here. Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's so hard like, to make two good anti-war films. Yeah. Maybe. Well, which do you think they are? The two good ones? Um, oh, maybe, maybe. But we also come back to I think. Um, uh, Path of Glory always does it for me. It just it's it's not. There's nothing noble about the. There's no noble sacrifice to what those guys are going through. It's absolute horror. And they're of, and they're and they're led by 
awful people. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing because it's yeah. not about it's not yeah. about looking yeah. at them going off into combat. Those brave men giving something up. It's like you get through all that stuff and it's done. Yeah. Pretty quickly, it's like now. Here's the reality: you're at the mercy of these fucking monsters at the top, and there's nothing yeah. noble or you know beautiful about that. It's it's a it's a hard. It's like watching somebody get murdered, yeah. and that and that movie works. The other, I you know Doctor Strangelove, oh. All Quiet on the Western Front. No, I would, uh, I would have all said Quiet on the Western quiet. Front. Yeah. You what? I would have said All Quiet because I don't yeah. think of Doctor Strangelove as a war movie. I think of it as a movie about trying to stay out of war. Right, but and um, then it fails. And... Right, but then if there was a sequel. Yeah. Then it would be a, a war movie. Yeah. It would be really depressing. <laughs> There's a couple of foreign films. There's um, a Japanese film called Fires on the Plane. Mm-hmm. Connie Chikawa. Yes, by Connie Chikawa that was recently remade, but I, don't, really? I haven't seen the remake. Uh, but the, but the Ichikawa is brilliant. Who remade and, it? Um, the guy who did uh, Iron Man, Tetsuo. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow, wow that sounds apparently interesting. remade Fires on the Plane. Okay. Uh, but Tetsuo is interesting. Yes, yeah. Tetsuo is a very good filmmaker. Um and also, there's a Russian movie called Idi Ishmotri. Come and see. Oh, come, oh, and, see. come and see. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's grim. an anti-war movie. Yes, yes. that's definitely yeah. an anti-war movie. Yeah, um, yeah. No, that's true. And there are there are those. I I guess also if you boil it down to sort of uh, in terms of mainstream American entertainment. Now, now you're all quiet in the Western Front. Yeah, it's all quiet in the Western Front. Movie about it, and 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 I'll go paths and Passover. Yeah. yeah, but but it seems. But they like, don't have drunks in them, so they're okay. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that would kill <laughs> yes. a war movie with someone struggling think, with alcoholism. I think Ralph Meeker is a drunk in that movie, but I can't remember. Um, but um, but yeah, I don't I don't know I I, I I I feel like the end result of the addiction in Sid and Nancy is is um, uh, you've you pretty much convinced me not to go down that road in my own life. <laughs> I, 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 the weird thing was, though, that a number of people who worked on the film, you know, and with them, it's a long shoot, like 11 weeks of putting up with this, you know, and, and like at least three people who worked on the film later became junkies. So obviously it had no impact at all. Well, um, yeah. But then again, I mean, it's not like movies are really going to be uh, um, are a medium of social control, and nor should they be. Yeah, no, because if 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 it worked that way, we would have all disarmed after Doctor Strange. That's right. Well, actually, then that would be okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there is a he's talking about music, but there's a line that Elvis Costello said that always sticks with me because I'm I'm with you. But he said, you know, a song, a song can't change your mind, but a song can change your heart, and your heart can change your mind, and that at least acknowledges that there's a slower process at work. And I think that somehow that what we do that film in all of its forms informs and imposes a kind of empathy at the very least that forcing people, not even forcing people by sneaking up on people and having them sit in a room for two hours and become someone else imposes at least a glimmering of humanity. Yeah, well, because you, un- time, because you understand Dick Cheney better after you watch Vice. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. And, 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 <laughs> that's and, yet, and yet he's still scary. Still a monster, but you I understand. I mean, at the very, his speech at the very end oh. where he says, well, you know, if it wasn't for me, you know, you people would all be fucked. I mean, basically. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's it's chilling. I mean, it's yeah. chilling because, and, and it, uh, uh, it's an amazing performance. I mean, but where I, I, can't, are you, where I, I can't believe he didn't win the Academy Award for yeah. that performance. But where where I like that speech better than what's the the Jack Nicholson one from uh, A Few Good Men mm-hmm. is that I don't when I'm watching Jack Nicholson A Few Good Men I'm not sure if if Aaron Sorkin and the people making the film I'm not sure where they actually come down on that character which is frightening I know exactly where Adam McKay is coming down on Dick Cheney when he's giving that speech I'm I'm not you know. Well, and that's a big problem with contemporary cinema is ambiguity, is the inability to take a moral position. Unintentional no. ambiguity, yeah. I would say. Yeah, yeah unintentional. Or, I, mean, or, I mean, take very simple moral positions, like we are good, they are bad. Right, kind of thing. yes. But, but yeah. to take a complicated position is, is almost unheard of. Yeah, yeah, which is one of the things I liked about that film. It wasn't even a complicated moral position. It was actually taking a stand, and then by the time you've come to the end of it, he's capable of giving you that speech. And trusting that his audience will know what he's saying with it, even though it's a it's a beautifully written speech, it sounds exactly like you know. I'm sure Dick Cheney was watching the film, going, "Yeah, that's right, goddamn it." Well, like Nixon used to watch Patton. 
Yeah. Didn't he? He was watching that, and that was written by Francis Coppola. I don't think he meant he didn't write it for Richard Nixon. Did not write it for Richard Nixon. Uh, That is true. Yeah. And then you get into the whole thing. Well, what's, you know, uh, you you make this. Well, that's the line from um, uh, The Stuntman, where he talks about his friend who made his great anti war statement, and then opening weekend enlistment went up, you know, 500%. It's like, you you make this movie. What does that feel like when you, you know, you're Coppola and you're Ray Patton, and then Nixon talks about how much he loves it? You just don't know how it's going to shake out. You do things with the best of intentions. And, and you can't tell what's going to become of them. You can't tell what become. people are going to make yeah. of them. You know, yeah. you just have to say it. All right. Well, here's a, a, either of you. Uh, I, uh, the most horrifying good response to something you've made. Have you ever had that where someone has gone, oh, <laughs> you know, Highway Patrol would speaks to me. And it's, you know, Donald Trump Jr. I don't know. If, <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had that, Joe? Uh, Straight to Hell is his favorite film. Yeah. No, it, wasn't, it wasn't Highway Patrol. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, because we're suckers for compliments. If somebody likes it, you're going to go, oh, really? Well, thank yeah, fine, you. Good. <laughs> oh my God! Complete tangent. Uh, a friend of mine. I, I, I shouldn't name the critic or the friend, but um, there was a big, 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 big movie critic. Uh, and for years, we would argue. I thought I thought this person's writing was just god awful and really annoying, and always liked movies that I, I know didn't where this know is going. deadly. And and he <laughs> thought that that she was the greatest critic ever. You know where this is going. And then he had a movie come out, and she absolutely panned it. And and then she put History of Violence as like her favorite movie of, 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 of the year and picked one scene as her favorite scene of the year. And every conversation we've had since then has been the exact opposite of the conversations we had before those two reviews. Now it's, uh, we are. We're, they we're, can we're, buy we're, their way into your heart. We are cheap whores, <laughs> finally, in the end. Um, well, Alex. Uh, that note. <laughs> that note. <laughs> That's a fine note to end on. Should we wrap up the cheap whore convention for the, uh, um, Alex, thank Thank you so much. Fred. This was Thank you for having me. Lovely Thank to have you. Very much, we lucky, chat lucky about the to end catch you when you're in town. And, and it was very yes. kind of you to invite me. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Meet again. Don't know where. Don't know when. But I know Say, Joe, looks like we've got a few minutes. You want to check out the movies that made me mailbag? Gosh, that sounds like a wonderful idea, Josh. Gary Wilson wants to know, uh, I'm only asking this because I have a wise-ass answer. Has there been any talk of revisiting Gremlins? And I've been meaning to watch it again myself, if that's a... <laughs> I certainly haven't heard anything. Isn't there, isn't there somebody doing a... Somebody. I thought... And look, uh, the, the, the people who own the movie, who are not me, right. uh, are always talking about, you know, doing trying to do something with it. Now, I do know they're doing an animated series. Um, oh, that's right, yeah. At some point, and they've got a director, and they've got... Uh, a concept, which is that it's going to follow the key Luke character when he was younger. Okay. Uh, and I guess introduce the ideas of what a Mogwai would be. Uh, and that was uh, that was one of the ideas that um, was floated around for the uh, much brooded about Gremlins 3. Uh, it, was a, it was a prequel. Interesting. Um, Andrew Craddock wants to know, how do you guys find it best to balance keeping up with contemporary movies and rewatching older ones? That's a good question. That's a really good question. I do you have an answer? I don't. Uh, it's <laughs> well, you don't. You don't consciously have a balance. You yeah. you try to. You, you, the one thing that becomes clear as you get older is that you don't have as much time as you did to watch everything. Yes. And I used to see everything that came out. Really, in, in, unless it was a genre that I couldn't stand or a director I, whose work I didn't like. Or, but for the most part, I, I was pretty Catholic about just trying to keep up with everything, uh, and. I, it never interfered with my watching old movies because that's, you know, uh, that's my, my drug of choice. But uh, these days, you know, just this year with the Academy and the screeners that they send you and all that stuff. I mean, I don't I don't care who you are. None, no one who voted in the Academy Awards watched all those screeners. It's just not it's just not possible. I, yeah, I don't know how I, I do try to. It's, it's pathetic. I try to scramble through as many as I can at the end of the year, which is just a it's not the way you're supposed to see movies. No. Um, no, the, the, they used to invite you to screenings, and yeah. they used to supposedly see it on a big screen. And there are certainly movies where you certainly don't get an idea of what the movie is unless you see it on a big screen and with an audience. But, uh, but that's the way things. You know, every, everything has gotten smaller. Yeah. It's uh, you know the miniaturization that uh, Kevin McCarthy talks about in uh, in, in Inner Space. You know, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, that's the ticket. I say, yeah, I don't know how. Um, 
I mean, somehow I just sort of, uh, I managed to keep up uh, enough with contemporary films while going back to old ones. And I, I, yeah, no rhyme or reason. There's things I obviously, I have to see in a theater and I make a point of doing that. And, and, uh, well, luckily there's a whole genre that you can skip, which is superhero movies because they're all the same. Well, so you can you say, go. well, and there's a whole bunch of movies I don't have to watch because I know what they're going to be like. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of other movies that are interesting that are sort of offbeat and don't get a lot of theatrical play yeah. uh, that you want to try to make time for. But that, of course, that brings you to the Netflix problem, yeah. which is that when you turn on your Netflix and you get all these little boxes saying what these movies are and you never heard of any of them. Uh, who's going to do the curating? Who's going to say, right. okay, this is the one movie out of this entire lineup of movies that you never heard of. That's the one that you should really take a look at. And that's, that's really where you, your friends come in. Yeah. Well, I was about to say friends are, I'm a big fan of doing workarounds because, um, you know, coming up with ways to trick myself into doing things. And I have, you know, friends who go to movies all the time and I try to make sure they know that they have to pry me loose from my, uh, my cave and, and get to film sometimes. So I feel really guilty if I don't do that. But, I don't know. Sometimes you just sit there and you, I, I have this gigantic library, which leaves you paralyzed half the time. And I can't tell you how many times I go in, I'm going to watch something, have a vague sense of what I want the movie I want to see to feel like. And then I stand there and I look at this giant array of films and I go, ah, fuck it. I'll find something on Netflix. And then I find something <laughs> new on Netflix. But unfortunately, half the stuff you find on Netflix is a TV show. So it's not even a movie. Um Oh, there's no difference anymore. I guess there's not. Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I don't know how to answer that question. Somehow you do, but I feel like I don't. I, I know I don't see anywhere near as many contemporary films as I used to, at least not naturally. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.